0: Shapes and influences every aspect of our lives today, and we're only beginning to scratch the surface of understanding how it will radically change the way we
1: live and work in the future coming up.
0: All of these are using big data technologies, all of these are using AI and ML, uh, and latest uh, state-of-the-art cloud technologies are being utilized. So that to us is the frontier for for where telcos are headed, is a data-driven network where optimization decisions are made remotely. And you let your network data and telemetry tell you what you need to do. You're listening to the Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth, a Nokia original series.
1: As the world shelters in place under COVID-19, demand for wired and wireless internet access has skyrocketed. But how are telcos keeping up? Enter the wizards of optimization, the techies who know which knobs to turn and which buttons to press to get more out of existing wireless spectrum and fiber optics. We turn to Amit Merotra, the Dumbledore of Nokia's Hogwarts. We began by discussing the fact that 80% of wireless network infrastructure is aimed at roads, and we're all at home.
0: That's a great place to start, Michael. So in this world where we're all cocooned inside our home turns out that 80% of the, the coverage that we have been building for the last several decades is, is like you said, for built for the roads. And we're all sitting inside. So it creates a big challenge for the carriers, for your service providers to reach you. And therein lies a part of, uh, of the problem we are trying to solve, which is when people are making all these coverage, uh, uh, consumption sitting inside their home, puts extra load on the network, extra capacity, extra signal boosting is needed. So all of those things are actually the challenges that the carriers have trying to serve you when you're sitting inside.
1: So, what happens when eighty percent of network traffic is suddenly generated indoors, but only twenty percent of the infrastructure is aimed at indoor activity?
0: When you start to have uh, have a lot of indoor consumption, um, your the signals that serving the carrier uh, the, the user is not of the best quality, and when that happens, uh, it puts an extra load on the capacity of the network. So, in other words. Uh, the wireless carrier might have built their network for adequate capacity but if you go indoor and start to make signal uh, um, make consumption watching videos and things like that you are now the same person the same consumption is actually putting a bigger load on the network what that does is very quickly erodes the built-up buffer that typically uh, carriers have and you start to run out of capacity You also, as a user, start to experience, well, the signal may not be that great because your house has nice, good bricks on the outside that's blocking a bunch of signal from coming inside. So both for the user, it may become a challenging situation, and for the carrier, it would become an extra load now they do cater to.
1: Telco's planned for a 50% increase in demand year over year, but with COVID-19, we saw that 50% jump happen just in a single month. You know, Italy, for example, saw a 400% increase in video calls. Can you even plan for that? That's a great point. And uh, no, you you can't. And and
0: you'd argue your, your accountant will argue you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the, the challenge here is that uh, it's a completely extraordinary time that, that we're, we're encountering this stuff. Um, and the, the worst part is we don't know when it's about to end either so what what you do at this stage is you bring all the resources to bear so you can't really plan for this kind of a stuff but what you do have is the ability to move things around shift things around squeeze a little bit more out of the uh out of the network and try your best without having to break the network fabric to serve these guys and that is in essence is what uh network optimization is all about it's it's about getting more
1: out of the existing network so you helped netflix optimize traffic by as much as 60 percent. how so we did this uh, uh
0: we have a, a unique way the challenge in in watching videos and stuff is uh, you know number one uh we enjoy it i mean as a user i love it but uh majority of these over-the-top video that is being provided, like Netflix, the example you gave, is all encrypted. Now, what does that mean? It means that the carrier whose network is carrying that video packets over to you, they don't really understand what's going in the packet. It could be video, it could be something completely different. So the first challenge was without knowing what's in there, it's very hard to then purposefully give them a special status or provided additional capabilities and, and so on. So we we figured out a way to, uh, without needing to unpack the whole thing, just from the shape and using machine learning, identify what is video, what is not. And once we did that, we were then able to start overcoming lots of little challenges along the pathways where you could tweak the buffer in one place and if you allow the packets to go in a different size in a different uh, route you are able to achieve a better outcome once you start to piece these things together what you do is you start to uncover or rem- remove these inefficiencies inadvertently built into the network by Understanding more and bringing AI and ML. So that's really what we have done is with Netflix and other video services, being able to overcome those bottlenecks by understanding what's in the packets better and and optimizing for that particular packet
1: there are two types of packets though tcp and udp how is optimization different between them indeed
0: um, each packet and in fact once you get inside the walled garden that is the the telco network there is not just tcp and udp which is on the ip side of uh, of the packets but there is a whole bunch of other protocols that we have to work with there is gtp Uh, There is signaling that's happening. There There is a user plane and then there's control plane. So this requires domain expertise. This requires somebody who truly understands what is traveling and how do you piece it together. What is a good flow supposed to look like? And then we look for anomalies. We say, okay, I know it's supposed to go this way. Why is it not doing that? That is the essence, so it's, it's definitely TCP, UDP, but then it's, it's also many other protocols like that inside the telco network that we try to optimize.
1: So a benefit of utilizing granular subscriber and application uh, awareness by being able to get into those packets is that a service provider can tailor new services based upon subscriber preferences and profiles. So this isn't just about addressing the issues of today and the needs of today under COVID-19. The lessons learned here get to be applied to optimization for networks in the future. Exactly. There's a lot to be
0: said that a lot of the network and capacity that we're consuming almost, you know, again, that magic number, more than 80% of the traffic that's going on these networks is video. So video was kind of dear to our heart. We we understand that if we can do this better for video in general, uh, with or without COVID we can help the, the carrier be much more efficient in their network uh, resource utilization. And that is what we have been doing. And fortunately, we had some of these solutions in hand. So when we are confronted with a crisis situation like this pandemic brings in, we we can bring that out rather quickly. We have the ability to get in and uh, and optimize so that these video streams are utilizing only the resources they absolutely need, leaving the rest for people to, to consume voice, which by the way, has also gone through the roof, right? Uh, we're seeing uh, usage in vo- voice going up uh, 2x in many of the networks um, because people who are now disconnected physically from each other want to stay connected by wireless devices. And, and that is that is taking some of that capacity. So we're trying to make sure there's enough room for all of these things to happen simultaneously.
1: When you focus on optimization, you can focus on the hardware or the software. But in both cases, it amazes me that it's rare that a technician would actually have to visit any of those areas needing more capacity. This is increasingly the direction that we are all as an industry in telco
0: going, right? We, we understand that fundamentally, there are some physical assets. There is an antenna out there, there is a base station out there, and that's what is is, is uh, serving the needs. But we want to minimize the need to keep running up to that place. So. Often that translates into building a little bit extra capacity, throwing an extra couple of cables f- so that I don't have to visit the site for the next couple of years. Now we have, uh, you know, starting, I guess in the previous generation already, we have uh, inserted little servo motors on these antennas so you can remotely tilt, up tilt, down tilt, etc. So that's a very standard uh, capability. Increasingly where things are headed in Um, is a technology called Massive MIMO, uh, where basically you are steering the beam in the direction you feel you need it the most. And this requires the ability to sense the environment, this requires the ability to be, without needing to do physical changes, electronically cater to a diverse and dynamic situation. And by the way, we are finding this COVID situation, the, the advantages of having some of those tools, they're not widely deployed, but where
1: they are proving to be very useful. If an actual antenna needs to redirect its signals for either greater capacity or faster speeds, tell me more about how down tilting or up tilting works. It's physically moving the antenna to shape the beam of it without having to climb a pole? Right, so that's the, fun, the
0: foundational technology there, right? So you, you literally have a situation where antenna emits a signal, not unlike, you know, your home Wi-Fi router has a little dongle thingy sticking up and it's, it's radiating and it's wanting to make sure that signal is received and transmitted uh, in and out of there. In a similar manner, when you see these larger base station antennas, they're, they're doing effectively the same thing. Now, sometimes you need them to focus all their signal, let's say to cover a mall. And in other cases, it's a big large spread out uh, suburban neighborhood. You want it to cater to all of them, no particular, uh, hotspots uh, show up, so you need to cover uh, for coverage versus for hotspots or capacity uh, coverage. So these principles of uh, are, are what a network design is based on. But once you've designed the network, uh, typically the human you know population around it, the 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 infrastructure may evolve. There may be new changes, and in those situations, you may need to go back and up tilt or down tilt or reorient the antenna to point it towards where the the hotspots have shifted. What we're trying to do is uh, leverage the advantage that we can do a lot of this stuff remotely without having to go there. And then that's pretty standard practice, but with massive MIMO and many other technologies, there is now the ability to do it in an almost automated sense manner. So there's an algorithm that decides, well, I'm not getting any traffic from the left side of my array, I'm gonna move to the right side then.
1: But planning to proactively manage the amount of bandwidth used in a network for video or otherwise is all about, you know, network resource savings, particularly because you're dealing with some premium RAN resources here. That is correct. I think the most
0: expensive resource that a that carrier has to deal with turns out to be the spectrum itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the spectrum is uh, generally commonly you know given on large leases and and the carrier have probably paid billions of dollar to get access to broadcast on that particular channel this in itself is is a very important uh, factor in fact we have uh, we have developed a, a machine learning based uh, tooling and capability that targets improving the spectral efficiency, which is the how effectively are you using the spectrum itself? Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, We ended up going to a a small network um, and by running this SPM uh, capability in that uh, uh, spectral performance uh, optimization capability, we were able to get additional 60 percent capacity in the network. That tells you that with with what you have spent billions, you may wanna focus on making sure that you're extracting the most out of that particular resource. And that that becomes a, a critical return on investment factor.
1: What if a telco though does have spare spectrum? How do you deploy that? Okay, that's a great question. Some. Telcos and typically, depending on where you catch them
0: in the cycle, there is a constant amount of build and action going on in the field. So there is typically new antennas, new radios, all of these things being added. So you may get lucky in the COVID type situation where you already had some latent capacity there, you just had to activate it. In other cases, typically what happens is you consume capacity through licenses. Software licenses. So if you have the hardware already out there, I don't usually just go and you know e- expose, you know, I'll, I'll pull out all stops on capacity. I usually watch and see. Okay, I think I need another carrier, another five megahertz carrier, another ten megahertz carrier, and and let it run its course before you turn on another license. So one of the things that uh, we as Nokia did was as COVID started to come in we have reached out to many carriers across the world and, and offered them the ability to have additional capacity licenses to help them in this t- time of their need, just so that they, if they have the hardware in place, they can leverage that. But to your larger question, You do need to go out there and have the required hardware in place before you can do that. So there is a little bit of a dependency before you unleash more capacity.
1: What if the bottleneck isn't wireless, but at the fiber optic layer? That happens all the time. And so that's a
0: great question. We tend to see that depending on how robust the infrastructure is, sometimes even how new a neighborhood is, may constrain how much fiber is serving that particular area and that may or may not be the bottleneck now if you end up in a situation where you do have a very limited amount of fiber serving an increasingly growing capacity uh there is no other option other than to go dig uh dig the ground and then put more fiber but typically we have seen there is a, in, in the US, typically we have had a situation where there is a lot of fiber already in the ground. And you just have to be a little bit resourceful, tap into a, an adjacent ring of fiber that you may be able to borrow, or do some planning and reaction, which is what a lot of the carriers are doing right now, is, is getting, you know, as they've been hit with this deluge of additional capacity, uh, planning and doing these works, uh, workarounds, so that they can borrow capacity from adjacent circuits and, and then build a, build, build a larger capacity. So that's that's typically what is being done there.
1: Yeah, the, the metaphor is, I think, you know, networks are built in rings of capacity.
0: Yes, <laughs> that, that, is, that is true. Uh, definitely true for fiber rings, which uh, typically serve these uh, uh, large neighborhoods. Um, and the circuits are purchased in terms of Gs, you know, you could have a, a 100 G circuit, et cetera. So it turns out that uh, all of these places, uh, all of these parts can become the bottleneck as you pointed out. And that's the game is to make sure that number one, you, you try to stay ahead of
1: the demand. So the hardware is provisioned with a certain number of software licenses. So it's possible to pump more through an existing line just by essentially flipping a software switch? that's increasingly where we would like to be in fact the the next generation this
0: 5g that we talk so much about is uh, is a lot about software defined networks where you have capacity and you have capability hardware available and you try to control more and more uh through software and licenses um i would say most networks today uh they're primarily a 4G network with a layer of 5G starting to show up. Um, We are somewhere in the middle. Uh, Most of the advanced 4G networks have the capability to do a lot with software licenses. Uh, But fundamentally, uh, you know, the, the next generation networks will do this a lot more effectively.
1: So full circle to the issue of Mm COVID-19, it sounds like the next generation network could largely be managed anywhere in a work from home type of environment or otherwise. Indeed, we'll we'll see what comes out uh, after all the dust settles and we look back at this
0: time, but haven't we as a society fundamentally changed uh, as we encounter this? I was looking at some of the, the stats, for example, my kids included they're having Zoom classrooms, they're having education apps. I mean, they're sitting there two to three hours a day uh, doing homework and education apps turn out to be one of the largest growth segments that we're gonna come out of this from this particular COVID experience. Take any collaboration tool, any, any video streaming service, you, you've seen anywhere from you know, 40, 50% to 150% increase in the usage Uh, And then we're talking about wireless usage. We're not just talking about people doing this on their home computers alone, but they're also doing it on the device because the patterns start to change. An interesting area there is the video gaming. Um, Turns out this is a boom time for video games. (laughs) We've seen uh, close to, I I, want to recall the numbers here, Probably eighty-five percent is what um, was uh, what, what I read was the amount of increase seen in online video games on mobile devices. Um, I think this is here to stay, uh, Michael, and 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 we might as well start to figure out. When that happens, how do we provide that low latency, high bandwidth service when I'm, when my kids are playing Fortnite so that they don't complain? that they missed the shot because the network was slow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that—that's that's the interesting problem that you as a wizard of optimization has to deal with, that you have to provide not only the low latency that's required for high reaction times and things like video games, a video, a Netflix movie, doesn't require that low latency, but it requires high capacity. So you have to provide both at the same time. No pressure. <laughs> yes. And,
0: and you talk to some of the, the CTOs of our, uh, our business now, and they will say that that is, that is a huge challenge. Uh, to provide a very low-latency, high-bandwidth network to every square inch of the United States is simply not possible. Um, so what needs to happen is you. what we are doing is we are letting data tell us how to do this. We are letting uh, social media data and heat maps tell us where people are consuming. So, for instance, I actually have... Uh, a heat map for gamers so i understand that that's where i need the low latency circuits versus where i need to provide high bandwidth with no low latency and why is that important because just uniformly saying give me everything everywhere is a business model that won't work Uh, but once you start to see data understand what application is being consumed that that can be done now uh, you know exactly where consumption is happening. That can be done now. You are able to, as I as we mentioned before with the video, uh, understand even in an encrypted packet, whether it is video or it is not video, these are the techniques. And all of these are using big data technologies. All of these are using AI and ML uh, and latest state-of-the-art uh state of the cloud technologies are being utilized so that to us is the frontier for for where telcos are headed is a data driven network where optimization decisions are made remotely and you let your network data and telemetry tell you what you need to do
1: you mentioned machine learning as a key to this entire situation mm-hmm. Are you worried at all about artificial intelligence putting you out of a job at some point? <laughs> well, um, on the
0: contrary, uh, you know, to take that uh, that phrase "wizards of optimization" forward, the wizards of optimization will be learning at their respective Hogwarts schools how to do AI and ML first. Uh, these are the tools that we absolutely need. Um, they're they're a- actually, uh, you know. They're going to be indispensable and and necessary as we enter a world where IoT devices are going to proliferate. You're going to have, you know, tens of millions of devices connected. Uh, We won't be able to keep up uh, unless we embrace these new technologies, new tools, uh, next level of scaling. So it does. We are entering into a very exciting uh, era um, uh, of 5G, of IoT, and uh, I think COVID is, uh, is giving us a, a good challenge to start to see how it will all work out. See the future. Listen to what's next. Read about world-changing ideas. All by visiting futurhythmic.com. The Futurhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth is a Nokia Original Series.